never fail us. Well, welcome Southfield to another week um, into our series on the Holy Spirit. Um, last week we were able to to go to Dennis talked about the Spirit in us as a church and how it would be awesome if our whole church um, would buy into the being a spirit spirit filled spirit led church. Um, and this week we have the high schoolers back. We're excited to have them here worshiping with us. We missed you guys. It's good to have you here. I like having this front row filled. Um, and also last week we introduced a new song and it was fall afresh. And it's just a prayer, um, that we have that, that I feel like it's a good, good way to prepare ourselves or to prime ourselves for the message that we're going to be hearing today and, and the things that God has to say to us about his spirit and about living for him. And so I'm going to encourage you. Last week you were able to just listen, but this morning I'm going to encourage you to sing along. Um, wherever you feel comfortable, just sing. And you know what? And maybe you're going to feel comfortable just making this a prayer of your heart. Maybe you're not ready to sing it yet, and that's okay. But just join us as we pray this prayer to prepare us for this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for giving us power and leaving your Holy Spirit with us um, to empower us to do your will and to reach others for you. Lord God, our prayer today, we just prayed it, or we just sang it, Father. Fill us up. Fill us up to overflow. We don't want to be content with just ordinary. Lord, we know that your plans for us are huge. And they're beyond what we can imagine. And so we know that we can't do that on our own strength, but it's only by your power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that you have given us what we need, Lord. And we pray that we don't resist it. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, if you want to, uh, you can thank me after church for the rain. I figured out the cure. We went camping. If I'd have known that's all it took, I'd have done it in June. I'm sorry. I, I finally figured it out. Uh, how many of you like to camp? There's a special place in heaven for you. Oh, my word. Never again. Never again. It was beautiful. It just, you know, we went rather ill-prepared. My friend we went with said, don't take a lot of stuff. So I obeyed and I uh, didn't have a bedroll, just sleeping bag and ground's hard. Real, real hard. Didn't like that. Bought a small tent. Six by six tent. You know what that means if you're 5'10"? Your head's touching the top, your feet's touching the bottom. And then you get to put all the stuff you brought with you in the tent. And of course, Nate, you know Nate, huge guy that he is. He's all sprawled out over here and I've got all the luggage on either side of me. It was beautiful. And then the fly hatch happened. Yeah, we were able to take a flip-flop and kill 10 flies in a swat. That was lovely, watching my spam breakfast being carried off. Yeah, spam. Ben thought it would be great to have spam for breakfast. Uh, Anyway, so I'll be at a counselor all week long. Uh, Wow. We are a church, right? This is Southfield. Simply life-changing. It's great. You came in, and you got a folder. And on the inside, there's a card. You can take that out right now, and you can put your name on it, or whatever name you choose. I don't care. Go nuts. Just put a name on the card and a way to contact you. Again, you can be real or falsify. Go nuts. Um, 
On the back side, there are some questions that we'll be answering at the end, and so we need you to go ahead and do that. If this is your first time with us, um, normally we're very serious and somber. So, uh, but as you're leaving today, and you will leave, we promise, there's a table at the back, and we've got some books there, a gift for you, our way of saying thanks for coming and being a part of our day together. Well, when's the last time you were in the market for a shower head? A shower Camping shower, man, I'm telling you what, that was a gift from God. Anyway, um, I don't know the last time you were in the market for a shower head, but there are a ton of just incredible options available these days. I mean, you can get these huge shower heads. They're monstrous. It's like stepping under a waterfall, for crying aloud, or being in a tent in Wisconsin. It's just like that. I'm not kidding. This was straight from God. Here's the seam. Here's my head. Drip, 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 drip. Middle of my... I'm nowhere... Right, drip. Right there. Thank you, Lord. Anyway, so you can buy some amazing, incredible, just awesome, wild shower heads these days. And, and there's something about living in this area. If you've lived here... Let's put it this way. If you've not lived here for a while, you're in for a treat. But if you have lived here for a while you know what happens to a phenomenal shower head in no time flat. Ah, yes, the trickle. The powerful flow is replaced with this sad excuse for a shower head. Before you know it, you're kind of jumping between droplets and wondering, what in the world am I going to do? This great shower head I bought is wrecked. Or, Or your sink starts looking something like this. And if you've lived here long enough, you know the culprit. You know what's going on. Mineral deposits in your pipes. And I'm telling you what, no matter how nice, no matter how fancy, no matter how beautiful your shower is, eventually this stuff's going to get to you. When my neighbor was building their house, we did the old sneak and peek, you know, do the pre-tour before they move in. And so we're wandering on through and they've got, yeah, we do that. We're, we're kind of creepy, but we go camping. So anyway... We go on up to their master suite, the third level. Oh, beautiful. It's wonderful. And they've got this shower. I mean, it's like the, wow. It comes from the top. It comes from the sides. You can get attacked from all directions by water. It's amazing. Even their shower eventually goes, drip, 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 and has problems because of this gunk, this gunk that builds up inside of your pipes. And the gunk eventually restricts the flow. So after a while, that nice shower head starts looking like this. It's green, it's rusty looking, the holes are small, and you're kind of ticked off and ready to buy another one. The flow is just awful. Now, we are resilient people. We fight back. We fight back with chemicals, both organic and toxic. We go nuts. I mean, we go after it. We, we should have stock in Limeaway if we live in this area. And we do everything we can to try to get the little holes of the shower head to work once again. Up until I did a little Google search, I didn't ever think of doing it this way. I always took the shower head off. I'm like, wow, you are dumb. So from now on, I'm going to be using the little plastic bag full of Limeaway and getting my shower head nice and clean. Isn't that great? So the flow gets restored. I don't know if you've gone through this experience, but the first time after you clean it, it's almost like the water hurts. Ooh, it just, wow, I'm not used to that. I'm used to the trickle, you know, that sort of thing going on. 
But you know what happens in time. We're back to the trickle. We're back to that problem all over again. No, you've got to fight it more fundamentally. You've got to fight it at the source. You've got to remove the minerals from the water. And so what do we do? We get our water softeners and we get our bags of salt and we say, welcome to Midwestern living. And there we are coming out of our favorite store, pulling, you know, doing whatever we can to get our arms nice and strong with those great 40 pound bags of salt. This is frustrating. I want, when I turn on that faucet, I want the water to flow. I want it to flow. Uh, We keep using this word flow when we talk about living in the spirit. That, That living in the spirit is like living in a flow. Why do we need to be in the flow? Because when it is only when we are submerged in the spirit, it is only when we are submerged that, that we get enough of a flow going through us that we can be truly filled. And this porous soul that we have finally fills up because our soul, imperfect as it is, sinful as it is, is full of leaks. And so we need the constant flow of the spirit running through our lives. Uh, as we've been talking in this part of this series, we've been talking specifically about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit as an individual, to be filled with the Spirit as a church. The concept is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. He's talking about something that could control you. And he says, no, there's something else that should control you. Instead, Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the truth is that sometimes that filling, that flow in our lives gets blocked. And so this morning, we're going to look at a handful of flow blockers. And I promise you there are more. But we're going to look at some of the dominant flow blockers. What are the things that cause the Spirit flowing through us to run to a trickle? What are the things that cause us eventually uh, to not find ourselves living a life that is filled with the Spirit. So as we go to the first flow blocker, this, one, this one's pretty obvious. This one's uh, Sunday School 101, unconfessed sin. When I'm living in a lifestyle of unconfessed sin, I'm blocking the flow of Spirit in my life. What's unconfessed sin? It's when I am doing something that I know God condemns, God forbids, God says no, and I say tough. And I just keep doing it. And I don't come to him and repent of doing that and say, I'm sorry for doing that. And turn, repent, remember, means to completely turn and say, now I'm not going to do that anymore. But instead, we stay in this state of active disobedience. We just decide we're going to do what we want to do. I'm telling you flatly, that's a flow blocker. You're going to find the, the spirit being blocked if you're not living a life of active obedience instead of pursuing active disobedience. What this does, it brings sorrow to the spirit. It literally breaks the spirit's heart. Another word the Bible uses, it grieves. It grieves the spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Another version says, Do not Bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. 
When I live in this state of active disobedience, I am literally causing the spirit sorrow. I grieve him. I cause him pain. I I give him offense. I really cause the spirit to just release a deep groan. Have you ever done the deep groan? Have you ever seen somebody doing something and you just go, oh, why? Why are you doing that? The Spirit releases that deep groan when we decide to live a life of active disobedience. This is when I choose to do what displeases the Spirit. And it blocks the Spirit's freedom in my life. It blocks the flow. It keeps Him from doing what He wants to do within me. Sadly, we choose a lot of deliberate sins. For a lot of people, it's in the sexual area. That they say, I'm going to live the way I want to live and nobody's going to tell me how. The Bible is clear on how we're supposed to live as sexual human beings. And yet people are saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. God's way is old-fashioned. God's way is dumb, which is incredible to me from this standpoint. God is the designer of the human body, the designer of the human spirit. And then we turn around to the designer and say, "Uh, your idea stinks. I have a better plan. Uh, No, God knows how we work best. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole works. He knows how we work best. And yet we'll deliberately sin and say, I'm going to do it my way because it brings me pleasure. I'm going to do what I want. Living a lie. For some people, I mean, you just know you're living a lie. If, If you were honest and transparent, you'd say, I consistently lie. I consistently twist the truth, contort the truth, put it in a different direction. Nonstop gossiping enjoying feeding off of what's going wrong in someone else's life. We had this bizarre experience this week. You've got to, to the island that we were going, you've got to take a ferry. And so we pull up the car next to the gate where they're selling the tickets. And there are two women in there talking. And they, it's as if they think they are sitting in a living room by themselves. And I learned more about Martha on Washington Island than you could ever know. I mean, I learned about her illegitimate kids. I'm not kidding. Within a span of three minutes, I heard all kinds of dirt and junk and garbage about Martha. It went on and on and on. And I'm like, do you not get that we hear you, that everyone in this van hears you and hears the way you are smearing Martha's character? People feed on that. And you know what? When we feed on that, we're blocking the Spirit's flow in our life. We're blocking the Spirit's flow. That's not what the Spirit wants. He does not want us to live a life of deliberate, continual sin. So that's grieving the Spirit. What else do we do? Another flow blocker. I'd sum it up this way. Stubbornness. The first one is sin. The second one is stubbornness. And stubbornness in a specific area. When we decide that God has told us to do something, and we're just not going to do it. It's one thing to say, God said to do something, I'm going to do the opposite. It's another thing to say, God wants me to do that, but I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to just act as if I never even heard it. Uh, This is what the Bible refers to as putting out the Spirit's fire or quenching the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says that we are not to quench the Spirit. We're not to... We're not to... Hold on a second here. Sorry, I got click happy. Uh, it's, it's for the fly action. I, I'm so... I'm, I, I'm eating my meal yesterday at home, looking at it, just waiting for a buzz. <laughs> oh, scares me. 
Do not quench the Spirit. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. We stifle the Holy Spirit when the Spirit tells us to do something and we say, I don't want to. I'm not going to. You see the difference between grieving and quenching? Grieving is an active, deliberate, I'm going to sin. Quenching, on the other hand, is saying, I know you think that's a good idea. I'm just not going to. I'm just going to ignore it. I'm going to act as if you didn't speak. Any of your children do that? Act as if you didn't speak. I mean, you just, you look at them like, okay, I know I spoke English. I, I know it was loud. I, I know all the, all the elements were there. Why does he look like Mount Rushmore right now? What's going on? We do that to the spirit where we just say, hey, I know the spirit is spoken, but, but I'm not going to listen. I'm going to ignore, ignore what the spirit has to say. It's really, in a sense, passively disobeying the spirit. This isn't active disobedience. It's passive disobedience. It's ignoring his commands and promptings. When I grieve him, I do what is wrong. When I quench him, I don't do what is right. I just choose to avoid what is right. When I grieve, I choose to do what displeases the Spirit. When I quench, I choose to not do what pleases the Spirit. I just decide I'm going to ignore what he has to say. So let's take this to a really childish level. If I'm grieving the spirit, I'm sticking out my tongue. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. No, you're not the boss of me. You know, that sort of thing. When I quench the spirit, nah, 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 I can't hear you. You can talk all you want. I can't hear a word you're saying. That's what we're doing. Did I get louder when I did that? Anyway, <laughs> grieve, stick out your tongue. Quench, plug your ears. Both are flow blockers. I mean, you're saying, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but you're choosing to live in deliberate sin. You're saying, I want to be filled with the Spirit. But when the Spirit speaks, you say, nah, not that one. I don't want to do that one. These are things that block the Spirit's flow in our lives. When the Spirit speaks, the Spirit expects us to respond. The Spirit doesn't waste words. And so in time, the Spirit stops talking. This is like, why should I waste my words? Why should I keep you, send you messages? Why should I prompt you when you don't want to hear what I have to say? One of the key verses of this entire series has been Galatians 5.25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Take a good look at that verse. Go ahead. Get your eyes on the screen. Look at it again. Read it in your mind. If you were describing this verse to someone else, pick right now, which for you would be the key word of the verse? What's the operative word? What's the word that kind of defines this is what it's all about? What is it for you? Go ahead and say a couple. Follow, 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 follow. It's the verb, right? It's the action. Since we're living this in the spirit, let us Follow the Spirit's leading. Whatever the Spirit does, says, follow it. I cannot follow the Spirit and oppose Him by sinning. I cannot follow the Spirit and ignore Him by being stubborn and saying, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do. We're going to follow the Spirit. We can't be living a life of active disobedience. Let me give you the third flow blocker. And this is uh, to be seared. Or, or a searing that takes place. Specifically, it's a, it's a calloused conscience. It's a calloused conscience. First Timothy 4.2. 
Paul is speaking, he says, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith. So they will abandon the faith. They'll abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They've been burned. They've been calloused. We had a, we had a thing in our family growing up. Some of my siblings, not me, would... Um, would get these just out-of-nowhere nosebleeds. And, and if I could say it politely, they did nothing to instigate it. They just, they just, their nose would just start to bleed. And it was hard to get the nosebleed to stop. They finally went to a near throat specialist and they said, here's what we have to do. Vein is located a little bit too close to the skin, so we need to cauterize that area. We need to do some burning to create a callus there so that this bleeding won't just happen. And so they cauterized it and the nosebleed stopped. Now, in that case, that's a good thing. But when your soul, when your spirit gets cauterized, that's not a good thing. When your conscience gets cauterized, that's not a good thing. I want to make sure that my, 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 my conscience stays incredibly sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That I don't come to the point that when I hear the Spirit, all I hear is Charlie Brown's teacher. I want to make sure that when the Spirit speaks, I hear the words. I'm sensitive to what's going on. But we grow insensitive. The Apostle Paul goes through a a process in Romans chapter 1 in which he describes how people grow insensitive to the calling of God and the calling of the Spirit. Look at this process. We're going to read just a, a... Big chunk of scripture right now. Romans 1, starting with verse 18, says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of of, of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So Paul begins by basically saying, just through looking at nature, you can at least get the concept that there's someone out there. You may not know the specifics of the someone, but there's someone out there. And yet we live in a time, even in our own time, that some have said, I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to ignore the possibility that there's a someone. The beginning of the searing. The beginning of the searing of the conscience. The start is there. It's the beginning. And it keeps going. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see the searing that's taking place? Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like immortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. What is he saying there? They had the glory of God, and instead they say, this stone looks cool, let's carve it and make it into a God. Ooh, let's worship it, neat. And, and this is what people did. And in our time, you don't carve a stone, no, you worship your things. There are other things that we replace, and we say, these are my God, instead of the living God being my God. And their, their conscience continues to be cauterized. It continues to be seared. Then he goes on to say, for God gave them over. I, I, sad line. Sad line. You know what the Bible says? If you want to sin, God will let you sin. Don't you wonder sometimes? I mean, he owns lightning. When he sees a heinous sin, why don't you just go, boom, you're dead. Because with free will, God says, I'm going to let you sin. As much as I hate it, I'm going to let you sin. He gave them over. 
in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Again, another sad line. And worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever be praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another, men for men. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. He keeps going. He says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, here it is again, so God gave them over to a depraved mind. I mean, their, their conscience just continues this searing process so that they do what they ought and what ought not to be done. They became filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. They're gossips and slanderers and God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Again, what a sad line. Sitting around thinking of ways to be bad thinking of ways to invent evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Do you see this cycle that's taking place? All begins with saying, I don't think God's there. And before you know it, you just keep going down the road of sin and God says, I'm giving you over to it because I give you the freedom to choose to love me or to choose to disobey me, to choose to be against me. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve. They approve of those who practice them. They cheer other people on as they walk down their path of sin. Grieving the Spirit is horrible. Quenching the Spirit is terrible. When you come to the point of a seared conscience... It's sad beyond comprehension. Because for most people, by the time they're seared, they don't care and they don't want to come back. They've just lived in sin for so long that God has given them over and given them over and they just go, I am where I am, I am what I am, and I just don't care. And I throw it out there today as a warning for you because this is the way it works with sin. You do something the first time and it hurts like crazy. And you go, ouch, and you peek around hoping that nobody catches you. And by the 5th, 6th, 10th, 15th, 20th, 30th, 50th time, it doesn't hurt anymore. It just doesn't hurt anymore. Your conscience is seared. And when your conscience is seared, the spirit flow is blocked. It's not that your conscience cannot be unseared. It's not, I believe that you can repent and come back to God. The problem is that I wonder if you'll want to. I wonder if you'll come to a point that you'll just say, I don't want to anymore. And so I'm warning you, you don't yield signs all over the place. Don't go down this path. Don't go down this path. Let me give you the last one. Last flow blocker is a strain. A strain. And this strain comes down to uh, unresolved relational friction when we have unresolved relational friction in our lives it blocks the spirit's flow now i already showed you the verse about grieving the holy spirit chapter 4 verse 30 of ephesians what you need to do is look at the context what is paul saying all around that verse so let's look at it let's look at the paragraph since you've 
heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts, renew your attitude, put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Then he keeps going. Again, this is right around don't grieve the Spirit. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're part of the same body. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. Don't let your sun go, the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives the devil a foothold. It, it gives a crack in the door, and before you know it, you're an, you're an ugly, bitter person. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to the others who hear it. Then comes verse 30 about grieving the Spirit. Keep going. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all kinds of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Do you want you see all around grieving the Spirit? Relational issues, not lying, not stealing, speaking uplifting words instead of abusive words. It's clear that there is a connection between the Spirit's flow and how you treat other people. The way we treat other people has an impact. And when we have strained relationships, it's difficult to be a person who has a whole bunch of strained relationships and at the same time has the Spirit flowing in their life. When you look at what the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, look at the words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you really look at those words, almost every one of them, and I'd even be willing to say every one of them, is relationally connected. We love other people, that's a relationship issue. We're gentle to people, that's a relationship issue. We're good to people, that's a relationship issue. He's saying when we allow our relationships to remain strained, we block the Spirit's flow in our lives. I want to show you a verse that I find very convicting. It keeps me on track. It's found in 1 Peter 3, 7. It says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wives with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, there's part of me that doesn't even like reading verses like this these days. Because there are a whole bunch of ladies that saw the word weaker partner, and you're about ready to pull out your pitchfork, and you want to go to war. And I'm like, wait a second. Stop. Let's just, let's just hear what God has to say here. I mean, what does the definition of weaker mean? Well, it, it could be a number of things. It could have to do with physical strength. Uh, generally, guys are stronger than girls. I feel pretty confident about a, an arm wrestling match with Kim today. I'd probably win. <laughs> Mental match, I lose. But right here, boom, she's going down. She's not in the room, so I can say that with pride. Um, <laughs> It, it, what, is that, what would the verse be saying then? Stop physically abusing your wife, which I think is a good command. What are you doing beating your wife? Uh, physically or emotionally, what are you doing beating your wife? It's in the Bible. Uh, it could be have to do with authority, that in the role, don't abuse your authority, don't, don't act like Nero in the marriage because you're equal partners in the Lord. It could be simply that generally women are softer, more sensitive, more likely to be hurt in a fight. And so because of that, now that's not always true, 
Some of us guys can cry too. I get all that. But it may be that. Whatever's going on with that, I want you to look at the last line. There is a direct line to guys that says, treat your wife as you should so that your prayers won't be hindered. Let me read it a different way. If you treat your wife like garbage, don't expect God to listen. This is motivation for me to treat Kim really well. Really well. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by treating the greatest gift in my life like garbage. And sadly, too many of us treat the greatest gift in our life like garbage. Flow blockers that strain unresolved relational friction. Now, I know what a few of you are thinking. You've tried to fix it. You have some squirrels in your family. I get it. Every family was blessed with a squirrel, and I'm not talking about the one with the tail. You may be the squirrel in your family. We got that too, okay? And they're nuts. They like nuts. And, And, I mean, there are people in your life that you've tried, and they're just whack. What do you do? This this issue will never be resolved because they're crazy. It's the way it is. Stop pointing at her. All right. Stop looking at him. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what this verse is saying? If you're the squirrel, you better fix it. You have no spiritual right to be a squirrel. But if you're living with a squirrel or dealing with a squirrel, you've done all you can do. What this verse is saying, it's just stating a clear relational principle. You're only responsible for so much. Some of us go into, you know, codependent wacky land because we think that we can fix someone else. No, that's, that's their suitcase full of luggage. They can go on Oprah. They can talk about it. But we don't even have Oprah anymore. What are we going to do? Anyway, um, <laughs> as far as it depends on you, as much as you can do. So if you're standing in the way of the fix, if you're the one standing in the way of the fix, you're restricting the Spirit's flow in your life. But if you have unresolved relational tension in your life and you've done everything you can do, you're not blocking a thing. And God recognizes that, that sometimes you're just dealing with some people that have issues. So let's look at these one more time. Sin, it brings sorrow to the spirit, it grieves him. Stubbornness, we put out the spirit fire, spirit's fire, it quenches him. A seared conscience, we allow it to become calloused, a strain when we are the ones causing unresolved relational tension. As I looked at these words over and over and over again, there was this common theme that just seemed to be playing out in all of them, and it's this word, insensitivity. We block the Spirit's flow when we become insensitive. The Bible says, love what God loves, hate what God hates. Clear and simple. And when we become insensitive to what God loves and decides we want something else, when we become insensitive to what God says and allow our our consciences to become callous, when we become insensitive to other people and allow relationships to be strained, the flow of the Spirit becomes blocked in our lives. So what's the cure? How do we fix this thing? You know, some of you in this room, you've laid in a hospital with a blockage in your heart. And doctor came in and said, we need to fix this. 
We, we need, what do we do to fix that? I, I actually wanted to look up the image of a heart blockage, and I'm not kidding. These are the first three images that came up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have a cook down here. Could you get to work? Oh, my goodness. Look at this. These images uh, are far more attractive than the results. The result looks something like this, actually. This guy had fun with his uh, angiogram or whatever it is. Circles the blockage and says, too many hot dogs right there. Got a blockage. You got to fix it. Now, if you're thinking about your heart, basically you have two options. Two options. One is to prevent the blockage in the first place. To eat right, to exercise, to do the things that prevent the blockage. But the other thing is when the doctor says you have a blockage, you don't say, oh, well, I'll just ignore it and hope it goes away. You get involved in proactive treatment. You get it fixed. The same is true with this list of blockages we talked about today. I want to encourage you to be preventative. Don't even get there. Don't even go in that direction. Don't allow these things to happen. Keep the spirit flowing. But the fact is, as you look at this list, there may be one or more of these areas today that their flow is completely restricted because you've been embracing sin more than you've been embracing the spirit. And I want you to think about this. Think about what could you do in your life to proactively prevent these blockages from happening. But if you have these blockages, ignoring them isn't going to make them go away. The Spirit's flow will continue to be restricted if you just ignore it. It's time to get about the fix. So I'm going to email this list. I'm going to blog this list. I'm going to have it out there. And I want you to spend time with this list this week and ask yourself those two questions. What can I do to prevent it from happening? And if the Spirit is revealing that one or more of these is blocking His flow, what do I need to do to fix it? And you know what? The cure isn't real tough in a lot of cases. Stop it. Quit it. Don't. I mean, that's a lot of the answer, isn't it, right? If I'm actively sinning, there isn't a huge answer here. Stop sinning. If there's relational friction and I'm the squirrel, I need to fix it. So it's not as if there's some rocket surgeon answer on this thing. It's not that tough. But you've got to do something about it. You've got to fix it. So look at your card right now. And I'm going to just ask you to be kind of gutsy. Because as we've been talking, you look at the back side. And there are four options there for you. You may realize that you've been grieving the Spirit. You're saying, my sin is grieving the Spirit. Second, you're quenching. My stubbornness is quenching the Spirit. Third, my seared conscience is ignoring the Spirit. And fourth, my strained relationships are inhibiting the Spirit. I'm asking you to check one or more of those, not just if you have that issue, but if you're saying today, I'm ready to get proactive about fixing it. I'm ready to get proactive about the treatment. Let's talk to God. Living in the flow of the Spirit is amazing. And so, God, it's often only when that flow is restricted that we realize what a great thing we had. It's never too late to repent. 
as long as there is breath in our lungs, there's always the opportunity to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, and to turn back, to do the right thing. The problem, of course, is that after a while of repeated sinful activity, we don't want to change. And so I guess today I pray a few things. One, I pray for those that are in that point of just having their their consciences seared. They become calloused. That today your spirit would uh, begin awaking them. They'd say, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to get this fixed. For those today who are sensitive to the areas in which they've grieved or quenched your spirit, the, the relationships that are strained, now that we know the problem, God, don't let us be like the guy who knows he has four arteries blocked and says, ah, I'm just going to go eat a hot dog. Everything will be all right. Help us to take a proactive approach to fixing the problem. We want your spirit to flow in us as individuals and as a church. We want nothing to block it. I pray that we do the hard work this week of talking to you so that we can enjoy once again a free-flowing relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Our servers will come right now and and they're going to distribute communion. Two cups are placed together. Bread is in the bottom cup. Juice is in the top cup. You're free to participate in communion with us. You don't have to be a member of the church or something like that. We do encourage you, as the Bible says, to examine yourselves, uh, to make sure that you're in a spot, that you're in a good relationship with God. Um, Use this time to be able to think more about the ways in which you might possibly be inhibiting the Spirit's flow in your life. that word holy God holiness can't tolerate sin sin and holy can't live in the same place and you don't get rid of your holiness in order that you can embrace your people you ask us to become holy through Jesus so that we can be with you I pray that holiness would be our lifelong pursuit that we would realize that um, while doing wrong at times may look exciting and may even seem to have benefits, nothing outweighs a relationship with you where there is no blocked flow, where we're living out the purpose and the destiny which you dreamed for us. Help us aim at holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. On that card that you had, we're going to want you to turn that in in just a moment uh, as our servers come. But there's also a spot on the back. I want to remind you again, uh, if you want to get baptized on the 19th, little box off to the right. And also, if you're interested in getting involved in setup and teardown as we get into that rhythm again, uh, you can check those off. Our servers are coming right now.
to collect the offering. And I, I do want to remind you of a couple of things. Next week, uh, we'll be doing basically answering the questions you've had throughout the series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few of them, I mean, it was inevitable. The cards came in. I knew there would be some question about, okay, what do you do with the whole speaking in tongues thing? So we'll be addressing that. And some of the other questions that you have, you know, it's interesting. It seems like a lot of your questions arise out of relationships that you have with someone who claims to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, they're saying this. The Bible seems to be saying this. How do I smash those two things together? So so that's, we'll, be, we'll be talking through the questions that you've had. If you still have some questions or we've raised a few along the way, uh, feel free to email them, get them to me, and we'll try to include as many as we possibly can. The week after that, we're headed off to Four Rivers for our time of worship together and baptisms and then a picnic. There are picnic instructions in your, in your folder this morning. We basically ask you to ask, bring two things. You can bring a dessert and a side dish or a side dish and a dessert. Or, a, you know, you can figure out all the combinations. Go crazy. Anyway, if you want to bring two salads, whatever, go nuts. But the bottom line is we like to have lots of food. Bring something that is just incredible and unique and wonderful and has everybody raving until next August. Okay, go, go crazy on this. Let's have a lot of fun. We provide the cups and the the china and the candelabras and all that stuff. So you don't have to worry about that. The linen, we've, we've got that covered. Uh, we'll take care of the hot dogs. You just bring all the rest and bring yourself. That's really, really important. End of the service last week, I described how to cha- stack a chair and I found out afterward I was not all that funny. Here I thought I was being funny. Turns out it was someone else. You owe me your lunch money. Yeah. Oh. Funny guy. I'm bigger. You're, you're in big trouble. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was fun. That was good. Shelly said, oh, Trevor was having fun. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I heard about it all week long. These things come around. So anyway, it's been, it's been great to be able to be together today. I'm going to leave you with an analogy as we leave today, okay? One that may leave you a little bit uncomfortable, but I want you to be a little uncomfortable when we're talking about this topic. So the flies... My first meal, there was no fly. The second meal, there were gobs of flies. And there were enough flies that I got to the point that I said, there's no way I'm eating this. Flies are all over it. Then the next meal came and I was hungry and I just kind of kept doing the swish, but I ate. And by the last meal there, I was welcoming them as friends. (laughs) I'd let them have their part over there. There was even one time, I'm not kidding, I took a dead one, scraped it to the side and just kept plowing. I know. I know, I know. It, it makes even me sick. I hate to admit that. I did not eat it, all right? Although there was an interesting crunch. But anyway, um, is this not what we do with sin? The first time we say, no way. The second time we say, ah, maybe. The third time we say, hmm, that was good. The fourth time, we're eating with the flies and crunching on them. We allow ourselves to get used to it. Don't let yourself get used to sin, ever. God doesn't. He says he wants us to be holy. Don't ever get used to sin. We're going to sing as we leave, so stand up. And then when we're done, we'll all stack our chairs properly. Very good.
Let's sing it out this morning. Here we go. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your 